It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you've been listening to KSL for for years and years, you'll remember uh, back in 2012, uh, Doug Wright was hosting his talk show daily here on these airwaves. I was then uh, his producer. And during the uh, presidential race, uh, which took place in 2012, it was uh, my assignment and Doug's to chase those candidates around the country and to get the stories, speak to the candidates, see how the country was feeling about uh, each one or the other. And along the way, we found ourselves on the steps of Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. And we stood right there, uh, and we read the signs, and we felt of the history of that important place. And as the years have gone by, the the past uh, eight years since then, I often think of what I learned and felt that day. And it is uh, more so what I felt uh, than what I learned. I felt uh, that that was a very reverent place And I was very appreciative and respectful uh, to all that uh, came from that place and all the great uh, words that were shared uh, from the pulpit there at Ebenezer Baptist Church and what good has been done for this country. Uh, Something took place there today, as a matter of fact, at 11 o'clock Eastern Time, uh, commenced the funeral for uh, the late congressman and civil rights icon John Lewis. In attendance were George W. Bush, Bill Clinton, and Barack Obama, among others. All three of those living and former U.S. presidents uh, would offer words, speaking about the history and the life and the accomplishments of John Lewis. And uh, time is tight, and so I want to jump right into this. I want you to hear some of the words shared. Uh, we'll first start with uh, President George W. Bush. And uh, if, you, if you break things down uh, politically... Uh, you will know that John Lewis and George W. Bush are probably further apart on the political spectrum than two other people you could find anywhere. And yet there is a wonderful lesson taught in the warmth communicated by George W. Bush as he talked about uh, how John Lewis, as a young man, uh, was given some chickens. Every morning he would rise before the sun to tend to the flock of chickens. He loved those chickens. Already called to be a minister who took care of others, John fed them and tended to their every need, even their spiritual ones. For John baptized them, he married them, and he preached to them. (laughs) When his parents claimed one for family supper, John refused to eat one of his flock. Going hungry was his first act of nonviolent protest. He also noted in later years that his first congregation of chickens listened to him more closely than some of his colleagues in Congress. John also thought that chickens were just a little more productive. At least they produced eggs, he said. I like that story 
for a number of reasons. Again, it demonstrates that principle of warmth uh, communicated by uh, someone of one political ideology uh, regarding someone of an ideology far removed from their own. Uh, we, the lesson here to learn is that we can, uh, in fact, embrace those with whom we disagree. I also like the story uh, because it involves a small flock of chickens. And I've told you a time or two the story of my own raising of about 13 chickens when I was young. And I had a similar experience. Uh, I had one chicken who had a, a, a lame wing. Uh, and I was able to discern her from the rest, obviously, because of that wing. And because uh, she required extra care, she got a name, Gertrude. Uh, but then the, the time came for her to be uh, harvested, is the term I think we use. Uh, and I couldn't bring myself to eat little Gertrude. <laughs> I couldn't bring myself to eat uh, one of my own flock. Uh, former President uh, Bush continued during his remarks at the funeral of John Lewis today, uh, speaking about the representative's faith in God and in mankind. John Lewis believed in the Lord. He believed in humanity. And he believed in America. He's been called an American saint, a believer willing to give up everything even life itself, to bear witness to the truth that drove him all his life. That we could build a world of peace and justice, harmony and dignity and love. And the first crucial step on that journey was the recognition that all people are born in the image of God and carry a spark of the divine within them. There's another lesson to be learned here in this next statement from former President George W. Bush about Representative Lewis. And it is very simply summarized by uh, President Bush's belief that Lewis never answered anger with anger. From Troy to the sit-ins of Nashville, from the Freedom Rides to the March on Washington, from Freedom Summer to Selma, John Lewis always looked outward, not inward. He always thought of others. He always believed in preaching the gospel in word and in deed, insisting that hate and fear had to be answered with love and hope. I know that sounds like, uh, you know, big flowery terms and that uh, it's difficult to apply them to our lives right now. Uh, but in these moments, in these somber moments, in particular uh, moments memorializing the life of someone like John Lewis, voiced by a former president of the United States, uh, taking place in Ebenezer Baptist Church, uh, it, you know, the stakes are pretty, it's a, it's a sincere and a somber event. And words like this. Words like this, that anger never ought be met uh, with anger. Let's see if we can, over the next little while, apply that to the way we live our own lives. Uh, much more was shared at these funeral services. I'm going to take a quick commercial break right now. When we return, we'll wrap up what President Bush had to say and move on to President Clinton, who had much praise to heap upon the late Representative John Lewis. That's ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andreas Martin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. KSL News Radio. Welcome back to the final segment of Live Mike. Today, here on KSL News Radio, I am Lee Lonsberry. We, in just a moment, will rejoin our coverage 
of the funeral of the late congressman and civil rights icon John Lewis. He, uh, earlier today, uh, had his funeral take place at the Ebenezer Baptist Church Horizon Sanctuary in Atlanta, Georgia. And I pointed out earlier that in uh, uh, years ago, during a KSL assignment, Doug Wright and I traveled together to Atlanta, Georgia, and stood on the steps of this Ebenezer Baptist Church, and we saw uh, and felt much of the history and the power of what had transpired there. And uh, that stayed with me. And uh, as I learned recently that John Lewis's funeral would take place in this uh, Baptist church, Ebenezer Baptist, uh, I was uh, warmed once again and moved uh, and understood once again uh, the significance of such a, a location. Uh, before we get back to the, the, the comments and the remarks made by three living presidents, to speak today at the funeral, George Bush, Bill Clinton, and Barack Obama. I want to remind you of something we discussed earlier on during the program, and you can find this at my Facebook page if you go there now. Uh, something that came to my attention about an hour ago that gave me chills, and it was a publication in the New York Times. Now, set aside any of your attitudes about the New York Times. Don't worry about any of that. This uh, uh, is luckily free of any kind of uh, bias that you might think comes from New York Times editors or something like that. What right now is published in the New York Times is an essay, an essay written by John Lewis. He wrote it not long before his death. He wrote it on July 17th, and he reached out to the New York Times and said, please publish these words on the day of my funeral. We read through them earlier today, and they are available to you in their entirety on my Facebook page, Lee Lonsberry, uh, and I would invite you to read them. And I'd invite you, you know, don't worry about politics or anything like that, but just share with me your reactions there on Facebook. So I'll, uh, go ahead. Uh, it is a piece written by John Lewis, the headline, the title, Together You Can Redeem the Soul of Our Nation. The subheadline reads, Though I am gone, I urge you to answer the highest calling of your heart and stand up for what you truly believe. And speaking of belief, returning now to the funeral and the remarks uh, offered by George uh, W. Bush, uh, there was uh, much about the goodness of John Lewis described by President Bush. He talked about uh, never answering anger with anger. He then went on to talk about the, the very plain reality that the president uh, and Representative Lewis didn't always agree, but that that was okay. Listen, John and I had our disagreements, of course. But in the America John Lewis fought for, and the America I believe in, differences of opinion are inevitable elements and evidence of democracy in action. The president went on to praise Representative Lewis's legacy. We live in a better and nobler country today because of John Lewis and his abiding faith in the power of God in the power of democracy, and in the power of love to lift us all to a higher ground. I so enjoyed the words of President Bush. We, in fact, yesterday, I think, or maybe the day before, we played some remarks from the former president uh, as he talked about us coming together uh, in the midst of this coronavirus, the challenges uh, that we are facing, and that the way that we will emerge victorious on the other side of these challenges is to come together. 
I was very moved by those words earlier. And so today to learn that uh, he would be speaking at this uh, important event, uh, I was anxious to hear what he had to say and to know uh, that he both acknowledged the differences, the political differences and the ideological differences between himself and the late Representative Lewis, uh, but then to, in the midst of that, and overriding all of that, uh, be able to highlight the great goodness and power that he saw in the life and legacy of this man. Now, the Parade of Presidents continued. <laughs> Next up, it was Bill Clinton, uh, who shared some remarks. Former President Clinton said Representative Lewis had a hope that kept him going in trying times. John Lewis was a walking rebuke to people who thought, well... We ain't there yet. We've been working a long time. Isn't it time to bag it? He kept moving. He hoped for and imagined and lived and worked and moved for his beloved community. The former president went on to say uh, in describing one of the leadership qualities of Representative Lewis that uh, he would never ask someone to do what he wasn't willing himself to do. John Lewis was many things, but he was a man, a friend in sunshine and storm, a friend who would walk the stony roads that he asked you to walk, that would brave the chastening rods he asked you to be whipped by, always keeping his eyes on the prize, always believing none of us will be free until all of us are equal. I have more I want to play for you, but uh, before I move on to these uh, added clips, which came from the funeral of John Lewis just today at Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia, I want to uh, highlight one of the things that his passing has done for me. And I'm a little bit ashamed that this is the case, uh, but it is the case nonetheless, and I uh, believe I will be enriched nonetheless. I, since the passing of John Lewis, have only come now to be uh, well familiar with his own legacy. I didn't know much of his direct participation in the civil rights movement. I, as a former congressional aide, I certainly knew that he occupied a very revered position and conducted himself uh, for now decades in a way that was always never flinching, uh, marching towards uh, civil rights and equality and justice. And I uh, am only now coming to learn uh, the full breadth of his legacy, and that well before he was a member of Congress, uh, he uh, was doing extraordinary things, and as you heard President Clinton there describe, uh, doing things that put himself uh, in, in great danger and at great risk, and only asking others to do what he was willing to do himself. So if you hear all this, if you hear all this praise being heaped upon this man, and you are asking yourself, um, who exactly was John Lewis? It's okay. It's okay. But take this opportunity now to go back and to uh, find an article, find a book, find a biography. Uh, you could find a podcast. In fact, not many days ago, uh, the great Boyd Matheson had a beautiful segment that looked at the life and legacy uh, of John Lewis. Those podcasts are available at kslnewsradio.com. So when big events transpire and you have some questions about them, never feel ashamed uh, for having some gaps to fill in because I'm in the same boat there with you. Uh, and this is another opportunity for us to understand better not only our history, uh, but the impact of this man on that history. Okay, Bill Clinton, one uh, final uh, comment from Bill Clinton. Uh, he talked about one of the tactics employed by Representative Lewis, not uh, that he would try to rub out or cancel 
uh, his adversaries, but rather his attempts were focused on converting them. He got into a lot of good trouble along the way, but let's not forget, he also developed an absolutely uncanny ability to heal troubled waters. When he could have been angry and determined to cancel his adversaries, he tried to get converts instead. He thought the open hand was better than the clenched fist. He lived by the faith and promise of St. Paul, let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. He never lost heart. It's no accident that President Clinton there used the word cancel in communicating uh, his understanding that Representative Lewis oh, it was not one that wanted to cancel anyone, uh, but rather it was his intention to convert his adversaries. Those are the words of uh, President Clinton. And that's a good principle as well. And there is so much of that uh, right now going on. Before first seeking to understand, so many are looking to leverage social media and whatever, uh, whatever platform they may be able to stand on uh, to, to cancel people, to cancel movements, to cancel programs, to cancel, to cancel, to cancel. That's not the way Representative Lewis did it. He sought to convert. And there's a great lesson to learn there, and you can apply it to your own life.